Welcome into another episode of the Hawkeye Tailgate Report. Uh, it's been a, a week since our last, a little over a week. We missed it this week because we were at opening day for the Minnesota Twins this year. Got a big old dub. Uh, it's been a great last week. Uh, the men's basketball team got a win in the NCAA tournament. Almost pulled off the biggest upset in NCAA tournament history. Spencer Lee getting his second national title. And uh, just happened in a few minutes ago, the Iowa women are moving on to the Elite Eight the Elite Eight, one of the best teams in the country, top eight team in the country, moving on. Gustafson with a down game, 27 and 12. <laughs> that's kind of funny to say. 27 points, 12 rebounds, and that's considered a down game. But the Lady Hawks are moving on to the Elite Eight. We'll play again here this weekend for a chance to go to the Final Four. <coughs> Fellas, Joey, Austin, thanks for joining me again this week. How you doing? Pretty good. Um, I'll kiss your ass if Iowa doesn't win the national championship. I'll say it right now. Okay, that's uh, Joey's feeling good about it. I like it. I like the confidence. Uh, yeah, I'm also doing good. You know, it's been a pretty great week of sports lately. So, since the last podcast that I've been on, March Madness started, the greatest uh, sporting event in all of human history. Uh, the Iowa men got a win, surprisingly. The Iowa women are moving on to the Elite Eight. Uh, and opening day happened. So as far as sports go right now, I'm kind of like in heaven. So I'm doing pretty good. And it's not freezing balls outside anymore. We actually yes. have some decent temperatures, so that's pretty sweet too. Yeah, Joey is not wrong about that. It's crazy how it being like 47 degrees outside just really makes you happy at this time of the year. And it apparently makes Iowa play great basketball on both the women's and men's side. Uh, but the game just got over, as we mentioned. The Hawkeyes won by 21 against num the number three seed, NC State. They won by 18. Yeah, that was bad math, Luke. Bad well, math. they were up by 21 with, like, under two minutes to go. I don't, I didn't remember what the final score was. But either way, there was... 79 to 61. The Lady Hawks were uh, up by 13 and a half, 37-24. And then NC State came out of the break, firing pretty well, cut it down to a five-point game. But then Gustafson put her foot down and said, no, no, that's enough, and kind of willed the way... To the Elite Eight, uh, although the rest of the team played very well. Joey, who'd you say was patting the stats today? Doyle was was stuffing the sheet. She had three steals, eight assists, four rebounds, nine points. Just all all around yeah. good game there. That's very solid play. Yeah. Uh, and and I, the women. Oh, they, ghost in. At the in the middle of that third quarter, I thought they were trying to pull a men's team move there because uh, there's like a. Like four and a half minute stretch where NC State went on a ten to two run and like our offense was just completely disjointed and we started playing bad defense and me and Joey kind of just looked at each other and like oh so they starting to play like the men now but then uh, they caught fire the defensive intensity stepped up again uh, Gustafson was Gustafson she kind of took over and Iowa moved on in convincing fashion uh, right now the way that they're playing. Especially like if the whole team plays as well as they did today, because in the first half, Gustafson only had like 12 points. Uh, she wasn't really asserting herself all that much, but the rest of the team kind of stepped up and everybody was doing what they needed to. Iowa can compete with any team in the nation right now, and uh, like that goes to show why they're moving on to the Elite Eight. Yeah, and uh, we will either face Baylor or who was the other uh, team? Baylor. Baylor or uh, South, Carolina. South Carolina. Yeah, South Carolina. And we played Baylor earlier this season. And it wasn't a bad game at half, but boy, that thing really got away from the Lady Hawks in the second half. Yeah, it was the third quarter. I remember looking at that. Um, 
it was like a, it was a close game at halftime, and then I checked to see what the score was at the end of the third quarter, and we were down by like twenty. And I was like, "What the hell just happened?" But that's kind of the difference in uh, men's and women's basketball. I think like in men's basketball, like it, the top ten-ish teams are all kind of about the same uh, as far as quality. But in women's basketball, it seems like the like the tippy top, like the best three or four teams in basketball, kind of seem like they're like. There's a gap between like the top three or four teams and like the rest of the field, and that kind of went to show in that game. But I think I was playing just as good as any team in the country right now. I think I'd rather have them play South Carolina just because I have this <laughs> negative connotation with South Carolina that they're just a fraud at everything they do, and they're just always kind of mediocre. Well, which I know not not a great not a great way to think of things, but well, and, like they're just the worst Carolina. I feel like. <laughs> well, uh, they like two years ago they played Mississippi State in the national championship game. So on the women's basketball side of things, they're a very, very formidable opponent, <laughs> clearly. I mean, making the national title out of a tournament of 68 teams is not an easy thing to do. So I, yeah. they definitely can't get overlooked. But, like, you mentioned how different it is at the top, like the top four teams compared to everybody else in the women's game, Austin. It's uh, a couple years ago, it was probably more, and it was probably like eight years ago, UConn was on this big bender in the women's game. Like, might have been one of their 100-game streaks or whatever, which is wild. But uh, I think they lost to, like, Stanford, which nobody really gave Stanford a chance, and it was, like, in the Final Four. I don't even think it was the championship game. So maybe this could be one of those seasons where the Lady Hawks can put – get one of those games where it's just real complete. They get Gustafson's best effort, Do uh, Doyle, Meyer, Stewart. They all play top-notch the whole game, and maybe something could happen here. I mean – we're, yeah. We've at least played Baylor this year, so we do have a game plan for how we can exploit their vulnerabilities. So well, that is, if we play them, I mean, that game still has to go down. Yeah, it wasn't exactly a, a a bold statement on Joey's end saying that he'd rather play uh, South Carolina instead of Baylor, who's the number one overall seed in the tournament, instead of a four seed. Uh, oh, I was really reaching out on the limb there. I wasn't trying to. I was just basing that off of my <laughs> perception of the Carolinas as I know them. Yeah. Um, I tell you what, though, uh, as happy as I am that the women are moving on to the Elite Eight, uh, their first round game put a scare into me because they played like absolute death against Mercer. <laughs> but, uh, they had 24 turnovers in that game. It was just brutal. I remember... Specifically, there was one sequence that uh, Mercer had just made a basket and Gustafson like went to inbound and she like tried to pass it and she kind of dropped it. So it was just like dribbling around uh, along the baseline. So she like nobody came to pick up the ball. So she like went out onto the court and then just like picked up the ball because nobody did it. And then it was a turnover because obviously she can't come from like out of bounds and pick it up. And I was like, oh, it was it was tough to watch for a while because just. It was inexplicable turnovers, like, over and over again. Just, like, bad passes, like, terrible rebounding. But it And the whole time, the only thing that the announcers wanted to say is, a 15 seed has never won against a 2 seed since the field expanded to 64 or whatever. They were really gunning for that upset, but they finally pulled it together in the end and won. But that was a poorly played game, and if they have an effort like that uh, moving forward, uh, they're definitely not going to win because that was just... It was tough to watch. Yeah, I I didn't see any of that game because I was in Des Moines for the first weekend games of the NCAA tournament. Great time. A lot of beer drink. But I, I kept following it on my phone because 
it, it, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing there for a little bit. But thankfully, the Lady Hawks were able to pull that out, take down Missouri the next game. Got two, got two great attendances in Carver, from what I understood. I saw, I saw no, yeah. yeah um, the stat that I saw was uh, the attendance in Carver for their second round game against Missouri was larger than the two day total from like six of the other first round host cities. So Hawkeyes draw a crowd, and that was. You, you could hear it listening to the game. That, that Carver was rocking for them, and I think that definitely gave them an advantage. That's impressive, too, because they were like simultaneous with the men's games. So yeah. That just shows you yeah. the dispersion of fans that we have. Well, and it's awesome because like, just seeing on Twitter, like I know a- athletes at universities will always back each other, but like this morning I saw like Jared Cole, Broderick Benz, Pat Angerer, Nicholas Bear, like all these great Iowa players in different sports were coming across and – they were just like everybody is behind this team right now. The whole state of Iowa, the whole Iowa fan base is, which is just a great thing to see. And like even I've talked to a couple of people over the last couple of days and they said, yeah, we're going to watch this game on Saturday morning. I've heard they're fun to watch and you're damn right they are. They play good basketball. It's kind of an older style of basketball, but it's still fun to watch because they make great passes. They play good defense. They know how to break a press. It's, it's just something. It's very, very entertaining. And Gustafson is the Zion of uh, women's college basketball. <laughs> Whenever Zion's on, you're going to be watching, and that's how it should be with Megan Gustafson too because she's mm-hmm. just unreal. She's so dominant, and she does it, her scoring in such an efficient manner. Like it's not She's not a James Harden type of score where she puts up like 35 shots a game to average 28. She was 10 of 13 or 10 of 14 today. So when she gets the ball down in the post, you can basically chalk it in as a basket because – when she has position, she's unstoppable. It doesn't matter if it's with her left hand or her right hand. She has all sorts of moves. She can shake and bake with the best of them down there. She's just incredible to watch. Also, I saw today that uh, she recorded her 33rd triple-double this season, mm-hmm. which ties a Division One record. Double-double. Or, yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah, double-double record, uh, which is still incredible. So, what? This was their, like, 36th game or something this season, and she's had a double-double in 33 of them. Yeah. That's insane. It, she's just an unstoppable force down there. Well, and, like, we, we've we all seen that drill she does before the game or in practice, whatnot, with the two balls, you know, yeah. crossing up and layup. And, like, mm-hmm. it's becoming, like, a trend now. Like, you see all these little girls just, like, out in their yards practicing. That has got to be the greatest feeling in the world if you're Megan Gustafson, right? Yeah, I mean, she just sits there and goes 50 for 50, both hands, like, nonstop. It's incredible. Uh, one of our roommates, he works for uh, the Crew Hawks, so they're the ones that uh, set up and tear down for all, like, the athletic events uh, inside Carver or Kinnick or whatever. And he said that he was in the uh, practice gyms one day uh, doing something, and he saw Gustafson in there working with, I, I don't remember who the other one was, but she was just like, doing layups like for an hour straight or whatever and he said that he saw her miss one like one out of like the 200 or whatever that he attempted and he said he was just like kind of amazed because he'd never seen her like miss an open layup before yeah and uh espnw tweeted that video of her doing the mic and drill and like i was just reading through the, the comments and all the freaking twitter trolls are like oh she's pinning the ball against her body she's doing this like are you kidding me First of all, you're probably sitting on your couch stuffing your face full of chips or some shit like that. I would love to see any of those people get up off their ass and go do that. I know they fucking can. Well, I 
I would drop the ball in approximately a second and a half. That's a guarantee. Well, and like she was doing it with three basketballs the other day. Did you see that? Like that's just yeah, magic. I didn't see that. It's, it's basically juggling through a basketball hoop. Yeah, well making shots with both hands. That's she's crazy good. Oh my! It's gonna it's gonna be sad when she's done here. Which I mean, could be in as few as one or as many as three more games is all. So everybody, watch your last opportunities to see Megan Gustafson in an Iowa uniform because she's going to be. Well, she is the greatest basketball player that's ever stepped foot on the campus at Iowa. And she's something else you need to watch her when you have the opportunity. Yeah. She's on the Mount Rushmore. Like she's the best basketball player, men's or women's, but like she's up there with like Roy Marble and like Chuck Long, like all these other great athletes. It's like, I don't even know who the fourth would be, but Gustafson's one or two on that Mount Rushmore in my book. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Just a side note about the uh, game today. What kind of bullshit start time is 10.30 on a Saturday? Oh, for a Sweet 16. Right. What? Like, who the hell yeah. schedules that? Well, it's an it's 11.30 on the East Coast, but still, it's East Sweet 16. Coast. What time do the men's uh-huh. game start? Yeah. Start. Like, at least give them, like, noon. At least, like, is that too much to ask for? Come on. That's just a bogus start time for a Sweet 16 basketball game. Yeah, yeah, it is. But nonetheless, Lady Hawks are moving on. They're an elite team, one of the best teams in the nation, Elite Eight bound, going down to Greensboro, I believe. That's where their next destination is. And then hopefully. Right now, Luke, is Greensboro. Yeah. Oh, yeah, shoot. Well, hopefully they can get down to Tampa where the Final Four is here next weekend. But uh, so today is Saturday. When will they play again? Monday? Honestly, couldn't uh, tell you. Yeah, the women's schedule is kind of messed up compared to the men's. Yeah, yeah. I think it's Monday. If that's consistent, I can look it up quick. <clears throat> yeah, but all right. Well, while Austin's looking that up, we'll move on here. Uh, the women's team isn't the only team that got a win in the NCAA tournament. The Iowa Hawkeye men stunned Cincinnati. I literally don't think I knew a single person who picked Iowa to win that game against the Bearcats last Friday. I did. I did. That was me. You have to take your Hawks to yeah, come at least on. one game. You got to at least give them the first round game. Okay. And I, you're not a Hawkeye fan if you don't homer for them for at least one game. I'm okay. So I picked them like in all the brackets I filled out. But in my mind, I <laughs> like in my mind, I was totally expecting that to not go the way that it happened. Yeah, I suppose so. Well, I mean, especially after watching the first 15 minutes of gameplay. Yeah. So Iowa's next game will be on April seventh at seven or sorry, April first at seven PM. So that'll be in two days. On, April Fools. <laughs> on, on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> I pulled a pretty sick prank on the CAN bus driver the other day. It was not funny. Joey thought it was hilarious. It was just stupid. There was like five people on the bus. Austin and I were two of them. And we were like three stops away from where we had to get off. And I reached up and pulled the stop requested cord. And so she had to stop. She stopped and opened the doors. Nobody got off. Classic. It was really dumb. You're a jerk. But it was it, just so stupid. Let's get back to this game. All right. <laughs> so, uh, Hawkeyes were trailing for a lot of the game. Put together a nice second half run. Uh, they started absolutely miserable. What were they down by? Fifteen in the first ten minutes or something like that. They trailed by eighteen at one point in the first half. It, it, it was terrible. Yeah, it looked like I mean, just. I believe I, I texted the uh, tailgate uh, report chat like five minutes into the game or whatever when we were down a stupid amount of points already, and I was like, oh, it's, I'm glad to see that Iowa hasn't improved 
and they're like week and a half off since their last game because they were literally playing the same way that they'd played to end the season. Terrible defense. Nobody could hit a shot. Like just turning it over, giving up all sorts of offensive rebounds. They. It was a disappointing start to that game, to say the least. The frustrating thing about our turnovers in that game and in the beginning of the Tennessee game is they're just, it's just like they're effort things. Yeah. They, they were not putting like effort into their passes. Their lazy passes just getting picked off. It's not like they were contested or anything like that. It was just almost right to the other team, and that's what that was, was driving me nuts. Well, I tweeted after the Tennessee game. I said, because that, that second half was effort that I don't think the Iowa team has put forth this season. That was – and I, I said – all Iowa fans ever ask for is just effort to like show that you care. And like, that was the first, I, I guess you could say maybe the Michigan game, but Michigan didn't play great that game. We just out physical them the whole time, but just give us all you got. Like that's yeah. what Nicholas, that's why people love Nicholas bear. He may not play great all the time. He may not be a star, but he is certainly going to make sure he gives 100% and leaves it all out on the floor. Yeah, that was my biggest gripe this season and every season with Iowa basketball. You know, sometimes you're not going to win a game because the other team just has more talented players than you. Uh, like, the Dukes of the world have higher level talent than what I was able to recruit. I understand that. Effort is something that you can control. It's like, and that's what Iowa lacks so many times, especially on the defensive end. They just don't play to their full ability. They don't hustle after uh, like uh, rebounds or something or loose balls and they don't try to hedge screens and they just they come out so flat and with no energy and I just don't understand how they do that so often like at the division one level you shouldn't need any extra motivation to be giving your 100% effort every single time that you're out on the floor and that's what you saw in the first half against both Tennessee uh, and Cincinnati, they just came out flat with no energy like they had so many times for the rest of the season. And then in the second half, they got a fire under their ass because they kind of realized, oh shit, if we don't win this game, our season's over. And then they played incredibly well. But I just don't understand how they can be like they can be so bipolar from one half to the other <clears throat> in terms of the effort that they present. I, I think that that, uh, that Cincinnati game was a really bad game for the Fran haters because he probably had the best coaching decision of his career to put in Cook towards the end of that game when, um, what was that guy's <laughs> name, Brooks? They both had four fouls, and Cook wasn't doing shit. So if, if he fouls out, no big deal. But the other guy was important to their team, and sure shit, they brought in Cook. The other team brought in their guy. Garza fouled that guy out right away. That was huge. Well, yeah. and he had, in the Tennessee game, those were the best second-half adjustments I have ever seen by any coach ever. Yeah. Okay. I don't. I don't. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if too I go much. that far. I know those were two really good second half adjustments. But here's the thing: <clears throat> why not like plan to play well in the first half? Like, obviously, you're going to have to make adjustments at halftime. But why can't they just come out of the gates firing like that? Like, Bohannon comes out, was pushing around that guy, was getting scrappy. You see the coach, your guys, to tell him like, "Hey, this is it. Come out of the gates hot, and we won't mm -hmm. have to have a second half comeback." I know it's easier said than done, but still. Right. It just kind of comes back down to that effort thing. Like some halves they just bring it, and some halves they don't. Uh, in that uh, uh, Cincinnati game, though, I was so happy to see finally Fran put somebody back in in the first half with two fouls. I get that you don't want somebody to have three fouls starting the second half because it can kind of hamper your ability because you don't want to play as aggressive because you don't want to get that fourth foul right away. But like. He put Cook back in with two fouls, and that helped turn around in us like getting that half-point deficit to five points. 
that's something that just drives me with wealth. And, like, if Garza or Cook or anybody gets two fouls with, like, 12 minutes left in the first half of a game, he sits them for that entire 12 minutes, even though that person can almost certainly help that Iowa team, and he just refuses to bend that rule, and he finally did, and it paid off. And I just think, yeah, it makes sense that you don't want your players to have three fouls going into the second half, but sometimes you kind of have to read the situation and be like, okay, I get it. Like, he needs, this person needs to be in for us to play to the best of our ability. Um, uh, one thing I want to say is, I think we might have seen a leader step up for next year on the in the two games in the NCAA tournament, and I, it's Jordan Bohannon. Because do you remember in the Cincinnati game they were kind of putting a run together in the second half, and he kind of got in Bo, uh, in Wieskamp's face a little bit, mm-hmm. and he kind of I I don't remember what it led to that, but he got in Wieskamp's face and like kind of fired him up a little bit, and from there on out, Bohannon and Wieskamp were just stroking it, and then uh that Tennessee game you mentioned. He it was the start of the second half, and I think they had gotten it up to twenty five at that point, the lead for Tennessee. And he just kinda he just kinda said, Fuck it, this this is it, we gotta go. And he started shoving that Tennessee player. Probably should have been a foul, maybe a flagrant <laughs> that, or something, but that, that absolutely should not have been a double foul, because Bohannon was straight up just like shoving him away. Yeah. <laughs> we lucked out in that situation. Tennessee fans were pissed off because of that, but yeah, I you'd love to see that kind of edge and aggressiveness from well, him. Yeah, he was, and he just showed fight, and like we were down, we were down by a lot at that point still, and he was just, he didn't want it to be over. He, him and Cook both, Cook, that was the best I had seen Cook play that all second season. half all season, maybe in his year, career at Iowa. That was so a, we're fully, we're fully on the Tennessee game now, right? We're done with Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah, we're done, we're we're on to, we're on to Cincinnati. No, I'm just okay. Kidding. No, we're on Tennessee. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, we're on to Tennessee, but that second half for Cook, he, the the way he carried himself throughout that whole half and, like, how he performed, like, he was doing everything so good, like, aside from those three free throw misses in overtime, to get him, to, to get us to overtime at that point, he did so much. It was, yeah, that was quite incredible. If he played like that for a whole season, he would be going to the NBA. For yeah, sure. Yeah. But he showed his NBA potential there. He was rebounding. He made athletic plays on the offensive end. Like he was hustling for everything. That's the type of player that Iowa fans have been wanting to see for his entire career at Iowa. I was ready that first half of the Tennessee game, I was ready to go scorched earth and just cancel the whole entire team. I said, get they were rid of so them all. bad. Get rid of Fran, get rid of them all. I was so ready to just like be done with it. And then they come out in the second half and pull that. And totally redeem themselves. Well, you can was, like you can see the potential. I, I we we didn't see that really at all this year. That's uh, I don't know. It was it was really really fun to watch, and everybody played well for the most part. Like there was even a time when McCaffrey and Daly were both out on the floor in that second half at the same time, and they still were able to trim into the lead. Yeah, it's just. That was just an incredible half of basketball, yeah. And I, I wish to have many more of those in my life. It's, it's definitely uh, like a half of basketball that Iowa fans are going to be talking about for a lot of years to come. And I'm not going to lie, when we push it to overtime, I thought for sure we were winning that game because mm-hmm. we had all. That's how I felt. We had all the momentum going for us. They missed that shot at the end. We got the rebound. We could have called a timeout and maybe put up a half court heave. But I was so confident going into that overtime, especially because. 
it kind of felt like it was going to be like justice for what happened to us like four years ago in that first four game when we had a big lead against Tennessee. Then they came back, pushed it to overtime, and they beat us. I just felt like we had the karma going for us and we were going to win. And then uh, that was that Williams for Tennessee just came out and owned Iowa for like the first three minutes of that overtime. Dude, Grant Williams is good. Him and that Schofield. Schofield's a beta, though. Well, okay. Here's here's what I'm gonna say. The uh, Tennessee fans are a bunch of pricks, but I have a lot more respect for the players on that Tennessee team than I do for any of their fans. The, yeah. I feel like those guys don't do anything besides lift. Did you? <laughs> it seemed like every one of their players was like six 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 seven, shoulders about four feet wide. It was unreal. I, I I've never. They're the most athletic team I think I've ever seen Iowa play. Also. At the beginning of the game, the only thing that the announcers wanted to talk about was how fast Jordan Bone was. And they literally, like, every single time he brought the ball up the court, like, that's the speed of Bone. Like, he's just going to blow past you. I was like, shut the hell up about yeah. it. I don't care and about how fast he is. Stop talk. Find something else to talk about. That's pissing me off. Also, screw that guy because every time they said his name, I thought they were going to say Jordan Bohanna, but they're like, Jordan Bone. I'm like, fuck that. <laughs> Get a different name. Yeah, well, even like Charles Barkley said at halftime of the game, which rightfully so, I mean, we were down by a lot. He said, this team's just way more physical. Th- Sorry, this doesn't sound dumb enough. This team's just way more physical. And, uh, but no, he he was basically saying that Iowa had no no chance. And yeah, well, I mean, we didn't really at the we, time. We didn't, if, if but... we had continued playing with we were, we'd have lost that game by 40 points, without a doubt. Oh, yeah. but But we didn't. And we showed that we're capable of hanging with any team in the nation. This team was ranked number one for a whole month this year, so they certainly have the. They're certainly good enough, and I don't know. Rick Barnes is a miserable coach, though. Our cousin texted me and Joey. Uh, was it in the second half of that Iowa game against Tennessee? He was like, he's like Rick Barnes doing his usual March choke job here, and then he's seeing. Why, why did he not play? Uh, Schofield in overtime. He had, Schofield, he he had four fouls. Yeah, I get it, but he was also like your second best player on the yeah. team. Why did he not play for a single minute of that overtime? Schofield said he did not want to go back in. Didn't you see that? That's why I, I called what? him a beta. Apparently, the, the, this guy for Tennessee, I don't know who he's talking about, was playing was playing well, and Schofield's like, "No, let him in there. I don't want to go back in." Oh my okay, god! If you're a competitor, you want to be in that game regardless yeah. if somebody else is hot. Oh my god! Yeah. That you should have, especially in like that situation, an overtime game in the tournament. Your mentality should be, I'm one of the best players on this team. I want the ball in my hands and to be on the court. I did not see that, but that's wow. If I was a Tennessee fan, that would kind of piss me off. Yeah. Um, one thing here. Do you guys think Tyler Cook's coming back? No. Uh, I didn't want him to in the first half, but after the second half, if he's going to play like that, I want him to. I. I don't think I don't see how he can go pro. Yeah, no, that's that's what I think too. So I think he has to come back, right? Yeah. Like logically speaking, he's not an NBA talented player Yet. at this point in time. But like last year when he went into the process, it took him until like a couple hours before the deadline to say that he was coming back. It just feels like he's not going to. But there's no way he can go to the NBA right now. Like there's just no way. No, if if he were if he thinks he would get drafted into the NBA right now, he's sorely mistaken. His best if he were to leave Iowa, he would go overseas and that is basically almost a guarantee. Like there's no doubt about that. Either that or just ride pine in the G League. 
Yeah, I just, I don't know. I I think that he's not going to come back, but I there's no way he makes it professionally in the United States as he is right now. So, and I mean, believe me, I would love to see him come back because this Iowa team is going to be legit next year. So, well, obviously we know Bear graduated and uh, the news that Daly's transferring, which Joey actually predicted to me like a week before it happened. I'm just going to, I'm going to light a candle right now. One for Nick Bear. <laughs> and one for our lost boy, Meishi. Does um does anybody have a favorite Meishi moment? That his, they would like to- his dunk uh, last year, he had a huge poster on the baseline, and it was our pinned tweet on the Hawkeye Tailgate Reports Twitter. That's actually the one I was going to say, too, against Northern um, Northern Illinois. I think it was, I believe it was 2017. It was an and one dunk. I don't, I don't remember what game it was this year, but Iowa was sucking like they do at points. And Daly came in mostly just for defense because Fran was pissed off the entire starters. And he came in and he had like two athletic like reverse layups or whatever. And I was like, holy shit, Daly can actually score? Ohio State. Ohio oh. State. The second oh. time. Oh, yikes. But still, I think those might be my favorite daily moments. Okay, now we'll move on to our, our beautiful boy, Nicholas Bear, <laughs> our Lord and Savior. Um, anybody have a favorite Nicholas Bear moment? Yes, uh, I, I do. Uh, his freshman year when he was still a walk-on, relatively unknown at the time. I know where you're going with this one. Num- number one, Michigan State at yep. home in Carver. He mm-hmm. comes out of nowhere to block a corner three attempt. Like It's like Zion Williamson flying in there to swat this ball out of bounds. That's my favorite Nicholas Bear moment. Yeah, um, that's a that's a good choice there. Very solid, Luke. Um, outside of that, I just like just him in general. Like just the the heart that he brought to that team on a daily basis. Like he was the heart and soul of that Iowa team for like four four solid years. Like he perfectly encapsulated like what it means to be a Hawkeye. Just, that's just my favorite thing about him is just the type of player that he was, and yeah. I agree with Austin there. We will now extinguish the candle <laughs> as um, the careers of Nicholas Bear and Macy Daly come to an end at Iowa. Thank you for your services. I would like to say, <clears throat> I, I do hope Macy goes somewhere and he does like what Brady Ellingson did this year and just goes off. He was over-recruited to be at the Power 5 Division One level. He's talented enough to play Division One, but he's more of a Mac caliber player. And that's not supposed to be like a dig at him. Uh, he's just, that's just kind of how it can be sometimes. Like that's like Brady Ellingson went to Drake and he had an incredible season. So I hope wherever he does end up, he does well. Um, but going back to the point that I was talking about before, Joey brought up the uh, candle service. Uh, if Cook does come back, this Iowa team is stacked with depth for next season. So we lost Daly, we lost Bear. Besides that, if Cook comes back, those are the only people we're losing. And then we'll get off a redshirt, Pemzel, Nunji, and Fredrickson. Plus we're getting Joe Toussaint in, uh, four-star uh, point guard out of New York. And uh, Patrick. Pat- Patrick McCaffrey, like, he'll probably redshirt, but... This team is going to be absolutely loaded with talent next year if Cook comes back. Yeah, and there's, like, I had noticed on Twitter after the Tennessee game, there was a lot of people, like, not Iowa fans, like, and former, I, I guess, triggered, or Trey Dickerson, he was a former transfer at Iowa yep. and then transferred yep. out. He Loved said it. he said Iowa's going to the Final Four next year, so. They, I mean, 
they have everything that they need. They have post players. They have perimeter shooters. Like, they have the talent for next year. The only thing that scares me, though, is I think there's such a thing as being too deep. Like, Yeah, that has been a problem with Iowa teams in the past. Yeah. There's a, the, ro- the rotation think, gets to be like 10 or 11 players, and then nobody gets yeah. enough consistent minutes. I feel like Fran just needs to choose who his go-to five are going to be and then, and then trickle the other guys in right. as you, needed. You need to have your solid eight that you rotate like consistently, and then everybody else can like contribute a few minutes here or there. Because that has been pro- – I know that we've talked about this in the past – Maybe not on the podcast, but just in personal conversations. There's been a lot of years where, like, I was so deep. Like, they can run, like, 10 or 11 deep easy. Like, that's going to be a huge strength for them. But then, also, you get into the season, and because you're rotating so many players, like, not enough of your bench guys are getting enough consistent minutes to, like, play really well every time that they're in there. And it kind of – people kind of just get lost in the shuffle. So, yeah, I get – that is kind of valid concern there. Word around the office, though, is that Nungy's put on some muscle. It looks like he's bulked up, so that could be pretty big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was a decent piece last year when he played. He can. He's a better three-point shooter than uh, Garza is, too, so he's more of like a stretch four. So that'll be good. All right. So overall, uh, I'm pretty content with how the men's basketball team performed this year. What, what did they get? 23 wins? Uh, an NCAA tournament win? A Big Ten tournament win? I'm all the right. Most basketball I've ever seen. That was electric. Yeah, no. A good season there, and the women are still playing Elite Eight. Uh, Hopefully the Final Four next weekend, knock on wood. Uh, We'll wrap, or we actually have thoughts from space coming up, but we got to talk about this quick. Uh, Sophomore Spencer League in his second national title in his weight class for the wrestling team. Anybody got any comments here? Um, I didn't really get a chance to watch him wrestle, but I watched his press conference. He he just seems like such a like a down to earth, like good good guy, and that's what we love to see from Iowa. Love to have Iowa represented that way. Mm-hmm. And also, um, moving forward to next year's wrestling season, uh, next year is really going to be the first time in like three or four seasons that Iowa is going to have a very good chance to actually compete for the national championship. Uh, Penn State has been just an absolute freight train lately uh but they graduated a lot of seniors uh iowa is going to be returning the most team points of any team that competed at the uh ncaa uh, championships this year uh so their lineup is going to be stacked Uh, they have uh, like six returning all-americans plus a couple uh that are capable of reaching all-american status so uh Obviously, until you beat Penn State, who's just been on top of the mountain for the last like seven or eight years in wrestling, uh, it, like that's the team that you're looking ahead to. But Iowa has a very legitimate chance at uh, returning the national championship to Iowa City next wrestling season. That would be huge. That it's been a while. I know we have a lot of those titles under our belt, but I'd like to get back on track here. And Spencer Lee is just like. So his his post match uh, interview, he's just like seems like one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet too. Like, and he talks to the media so professionally. Just a great kid. He struggled a little bit later in the season this year, but ended up on top once again. Uh, it's great to see two national championships, two years. Looking to make it three next year. Yeah, but also, oh. it is uh like nice and friendly and down to earth as uh, 
Spencer Lee is, Austin DeSanto has got to be just the absolute cockiest son of a bitch that has ever walked the face of this earth. And I love it because, like, he just doesn't give a shit. It's great. Um, so he, he's just a fun person to watch. Although uh, he does lose Iowa team points kind of often. Uh, he lost them a team point at the NCAA championships and then also two other times that I can remember throughout the year. But that being said, I don't want him to change because you need that kind of you need that edge in your wrestling room. It's enjoyable to watch. Yeah, that that little fu mentality always helps in pretty much any sport. But we'll move on here to one of our segments. It's thoughts from space. Uh, Austin, what has Space Cowboy got for us this week? All right, uh, thoughts from space. Uh, until the Sweet 16, kind of a disappointing tournament overall. That was just uh, in regards to like the men's tournament in general, not Iowa or the Iowa men or women. Uh, just a side note there. Uh, not a lot of drama, except my blood pressure didn't need it. Iowa Hawks impressed the hell out of me. Hopefully they work just as hard this offseason. I think the Elite Eight is possible next year if the offseason goes well. Wish Daly the best at whatever max school he ends up at. Now to see what Cook does. Very disappointed in this tournament. Played selfish like he thought he was Kobe, but he was actually the other Mamba, Brian Scalabrini. <laughs> I think Nunji has a big impact next year, and if Pemsel can stay healthy, he's the perfect momentum guy. 6-6 six and six in a game in 15 minutes. Hawks need that. Iowa women. Wow. I keep thinking they'll run into a team that triples Megan G, but everybody's too fucking stupid apparently. Real question. If she wasn't playing, would the Lady Hawks be over 500 this year? Uh, final thought. Fuck Duke, a.k.a. Satan's team. I broke my Lent today, so please send some Hail Marys to me and can't wait for the party bus. Stin is getting laid on the bus in front of everyone if if, if it's the last thing that I do. Yikes. And th- those, are his, those are the thoughts from space. Alrighty. Uh, <laughs> okay, so uh, you guys got any final thoughts here before we wrap it up? Um... Well, North Carolina lost yesterday, so that uh, just took a big ol' uh, fist and shoved it up my butt. Uh, my bracket's busted, not that anybody cares, but it is. So, uh, at this point, I'm just cheering for upsets. Yep, but my final thought is that Duke is the, has the two of the scuzziest wins I've ever oh seen my God. in their last two games. Yeah, they should have lost to UCF. They had two great looks there. And then, uh, last night, that Virginia Tech guy, they executed like one of the best inbounds plays from under the hoop that I've ever seen. Like that inbounds pass was on the money and he threw it well before that guy like even got around the screen was open. And then he caught and he had 1.1 seconds and he just rushed it. He like tried to tip it in and it didn't even get close. Duke lucked out for the second game in a row. Yeah. Uh, I would like to humble brag here in uh, one of the pools I'm in. If you get first place, get pays out 340 bucks and, uh, I have seven of my Elite Eight teams left and all of my Final Four teams left. So, fellas, we're big Virginia fans from here on out. Ray. Whatever, I ain't cheering for Virginia. Yeah. Mm. They suck. <laughs> They're Virginia here. is actually the most boring team ever to watch a basketball game for. Yep. I think that the worst possible game that we could have gotten this basketball season would have been Virginia and uh, Wisconsin. That I- game would have ended... 30 to 30. I don't know that Virginia Michigan game could have been a possible finals matchup or a final matchup. That would have been a pretty bad game to watch too. It would have been worse with Wisconsin. Both those teams literally score like 62 points a game. Maybe that would have been terrible, but it doesn't really matter. My final thought for the podcast, 
Uh, the Cubs are currently on track to go 162-0 this season, and Javier Baez is on pace to hit 324 home runs. So that's going to be a lot of fun to watch, guys. Twins are on pace for 162-0 as well. I would settle with 90 wins, however. Uh, <laughs> fellas, thanks for joining me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Hawkeye Tailgate Report. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, the show's Twitter is at go underscore Hawks Iowa. Joey's is at JoeMama2196. Mine is at Myers underscore Luke. Uh, Sam will be up here, I'm sure, shortly again to be on one of these next episodes. Austin doesn't have a Twitter. Thanks for listening, guys. Cheer on the Lady Hawks this weekend. Let's get them to the Final Four. Let's keep keep this magical run going. But as always, go Hawks. <laughs>